listening to The Cooler Ring, a podcast made for manufacturing marketers. Here are Carmen Perry and Jeff White. Welcome to The Cooler Ring, a podcast for manufacturing marketers brought to you by Cooler Partners. My name is Jeff White and joining me today is Carmen Perry. Carmen, how are you doing, sir? All is well. All is well. Good to be chatting with you today. Yeah. Yeah. Looking forward to our show. Yeah. Yeah. It, uh, you know, one of the great things about um, working in the manufacturing space, generally speaking, is that it covers a lot of ground, you know, like there's a lot of, and, 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 you know, been doing this a long time now and I'm still like kind of just always blown away when you discover almost every week of life, Oh, there's this thing out there that you didn't know existed that like people are engaged in the <laughs> business of making yeah. that is used in other things that you didn't know existed either. <laughs> and you've probably been using them in some way, shape, or form, uh, or been influenced by them without even knowing it. Yeah, like there's something, uh, there's like the endless onion, I guess, of manufacturing yeah. marketing. And that's why, you know, t today's guest and the company uh, is just, it's, you know, it's one of those kind of companies. You're like, yeah, yeah I, oh. I guess you kind of do need that. And that is really quite important. <laughs> you can start to, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, and, but I, I think what's all, you know, the, I guess it could be a corollary to that, but would be that our guest is also going to talk to us about selling into a specific group of people that very many manufacturers in all kinds of different industries are looking to sell to. Yeah, everybody wants to sell to engineers or know how to better sell to engineers or better sell into the lab or into yeah. research organizations and um, uh, selling to scientists, really. And, and, and what does that, you know, what are the similarities and differences, et cetera? Yeah. So it'll be uh, fun to see if we can unpack that. Into yeah, show. yeah. No, it's it's kind of like the uh, selling to building managers. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. The two the yeah. two big uh, big targets in the yeah. world of manufacturing. They don't even know it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You guys are, are sales targets every time. So, um, to provide some insight into this, joining us today is Jarrett Nickerson. Jarrett is the VP of Sales and Marketing at Seatherm Technologies. Welcome to the Cooler Ring, Jarrett. Thanks, Jeff. Thanks for having me, Carmen. Looking forward to having a chat. Yeah, it's great to have you on the show. Can you uh, maybe let's just start with uh, getting a bit of a, a deeper introduction into to, to your background, if you don't mind, Jarrett, for our listeners, and then tell us a bit about Seatherm as well. Sure. Um, well, first of all, I go by Jay because nobody can spell my name. That's since I was three. I made that decision. Um, but uh, I have a background in marketing product management um, which led me to sales and realizing as a profession that you really get to touch some amazing places um, that's physically geographically but also in uncovering as you mentioned the the onion in different industries um, and with Seatherm technologies and our instrumentation specifically uh, we find ourselves in labs all over the world for R&D scientists to better understand heat transfer. Um, reaching those scientists and making sure that we're present at the right time when they have a problem that needs solved is is what we're all about in in the commercial side of things. Yeah, and I think it was really interesting um, uh, when you were talking to us earlier about um, this uh, notion of the electrification of everything, and, and uh, specifically, um, you know, vehicles certainly uh, these days, and and how that's driving this um, requirement to better understand the thermal conductivity of materials and driving so much of your work. 
Yeah, absolutely. So um, our reason for being is to better understand thermal conductivity with those that we work with. So the problem becomes big enough when you have something like a traditional vehicle becoming electrified or the electrification of it. And all of a sudden you have a thermal management problem. Um, and what used to traditionally work for this heat transfer model um, in a combustion engine has to be reimagined. All these materials, um, all of the heat that's generated by them and how it's dispersed needs to be rethought. And uh, in the case of our users, needs to be remeasured in a lot of cases or better understood. Um, there's a lot of work being done to create better materials for this industry of electrification, whether that's personal vehicles or transport trucks, trains, or a scooter. Um, they all have thermal management issues that need to be considered. So all the materials they're made of is even more important. Book, value, book values of thermal conductivity don't, don't cut it anymore. I have to imagine there are all kinds of new materials that are even being introduced that uh, no one's ever studied before, so they don't even know how much uh, heat or energy they will uh, allow to pass through, right? Exactly. Um, a lot of our users, we don't even know exactly what they're inventing. Uh, they're literally inventors of new materials that will help uh, the future, really, the world of tomorrow uh, better manage not just heat, you know, that's that's what we measure specifically with Trident, our, our instrument platform, um, but other properties of the material that's going to make the electrification of vehicles uh, better and more accessible on a global scale. Really, what you're talking about is a, is a very specific problem that applies to a very specific kind of group of uh, manufacturers and inventors and, and labs and things like that. How do you go about identifying and letting them know that there is a product that solves their problem because it's not even necessarily something that you know it, it, this is something that a lot of manufacturers run into no, nobody knows <laughs> that they're looking for what is being built um, so how do you how do you identify people um, to sell into it's a it's a really good question um, there's a few things that are typical to all sales process, especially in B2B, it's that somebody's problem has become great enough that they start to look for a solution rather than ignore it or use their, their previous uh, source of solving that problem. So first of all, the problem has to become big enough. And then once it does, you have to be present where they go looking for a solution. So uh, for us, largely with, with the majority of our uh, clients over well over a thousand being outside of Canada, even though our system is made here in Canada, um, that's online, and that's primarily Google at this point in time. You know, in a in ten years, it might be some other search engine or 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 uh, platform, but that's primarily Google. And while there's ad campaigns that can generate uh, some traffic. When somebody goes looking for a solution to their problem, you typically need content that speaks to it so that it comes up organically. And that's where we put the majority of our time is in designing digital content that explains 
more about the problem that they've now identified as big enough to solve um, and how Trident might be able to help them do that, which is um, the way that we generally generate, I guess, the pull from the market. I really like that um, that balance too. You know the the notion of problem specific content versus product specific content, mm-hmm. and it's like what are you you know it's just a real uh, emphasis in the way you talk about it. Jay is is this that it is, it's got to be problem specific and problem first. Do you do you feel like you um, is it fairly natural to work in the product side of things or the solution side, or do you, uh, I, I guess, um, how do you strike that balance, or or is there one to be struck? Are you just all in on the problem and let people find the solution because obviously you're the one talking about the problem. It's a great great point because at the end of the day, uh, C Theorem has a stellar product, um, and it solves many different problems. So it is a balance, um, and you know, truly at heart, I'm a product marketing manager. Um, and that's where I think understanding the crossroads of what a product can do, and even when you start to introduce those capabilities and limitations versus um, bringing the right questions and better understanding uh, scientists or uh, uh, R&D specialists problem first is so important um a product first sales uh, can be good if somebody is at that stage where they want to self-educate if it's a conversation i I don't want to talk too much about the product i want to talk more about what's your problem and then at the end we can dive into okay well there might be this configuration that can help you or you know there's a limitation of the system that can't so um, it's definitely a balance. It, it, it's it's got to be both. It's um, I don't know. Sometimes I wonder if scientists get this bad rep or something. Like, like oh, there's a there's a book about writing uh, for scientists. Like Houston, we have a narrative. I'm trying to remember who yeah. who wrote that. It, it escapes me right now. We'll try to link it up in the show notes if because uh, Google will remember for us at some point. But. You know, but the whole purpose of the book was to say, look, you know, for, for those who work in research, scientists, et cetera, it's, it's, um, it was really encouraging them to write uh, using a narrative structure versus just, you know, the, the problem and the, the solution and the, yeah. <laughs> the facts, right? Well, and, um, and even the, I just looked it up and it's by Randy Olson. Mm-hmm. And the subtitle is Why Science Needs a Story. Yeah. Which really kind of hits on the head. Well, there's just kind of this, yeah, you know, it's like science gets a bad rap. We, we talk to, we, we talk about them like they're, they're, they're like these robots or something, but it's <laughs> like, no, there's actually still like, there's still people though. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So well, the inquisitive absolutely. and curious nature <laughs> yeah. is what drives things. Yeah. So, yeah. so I guess Jay, like you talked to us about the fact that, you know, selling into science is, is different. Um, so I guess uh, tell us how it's different, um, and and I guess and and in some ways, how is it even maybe just this, more of the same? Yeah, so I think that it comes uh, with a, a predefined baseline of maturity in your product line. So um, there's an expectation that it it will do what it says that it does, that it's 
accurate and precise and and beyond that baseline, um, which in some industries uh, that tolerance might be different. Ultimately, people buy from people, like basically what you're saying, and and that's why if you talk to somebody from Seatherm, typically they have a a background in chemical engineering, um, not even a in sales. sales background. Yeah, even yeah, in your sales in, department. Yeah, exactly. Um, because the way that people um, will typically look at uh, capex instrumentation, um, which used to all be gray boxes, is okay. Well, it's going to give me a number at the end of the day. Now we kind of turned that on its head with Trident, in that we took a product marketing approach to make us stand out. Uh, against those that didn't have the capabilities that we had, but we had the foundation that was critical first. Um, so specifically sensor technology for understanding heat transfer, we had a unique platform with multiple methods. But to make that stand out, we took a product marketing uh, approach, had an industrial designer focus on uh, what our system looks like being just as important as the numbers that it gives. Um, we've completely revamped our software to be more user-friendly, take inspiration from you know the best cell phones that you find in, in the world, and things feel intuitive when right from the get-go. There's, um, there's definitely the above and beyond what I would consider the foundation, which can make the product better. But then at the end of the day, it's people buying from people. So um, that's where there's similarities and uh, I think some, some differences. Well, I'm kind of curious about this uh, in, introduction of a, a elevated industrial design into mm. the product. And uh, what was the experience uh, in doing that as you transition from, I think, as you said, the, the bland gray box to maybe uh, one of the sexier pieces of gear in the lab. Um, what, I guess, did, was that, a, did you notice the difference uh, in the sales conversations, uh, in reviews of the product? Did, did the aesthetics actually get brought up? Yeah, all the time. Um, way more often than we thought. <laughs> so, you know, there's been a few generations of our technology. First, a gray box that gave you the right numbers. Then a gray box with a rounded cover so nobody could put their coffee on it. Um, and now what we call Trident, which really looks like a, you know, a pyramid and represents the three different methods that it employs for thermal conductivity. It has meaning behind it. Um, it looks like nice, as you said, it looks, it looks sexy. It stands out amongst the other instruments in the lab and it's meant to. Um, it's a bit of a secret weapon. I mean, pe it, people who um, espouse design principles, especially, you know, we, we generally tend to be like, well, see, you know, it looks good. And so it's sold better. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but it really, you know, if you can imbue something with meaning and uh, and add to it and, and have more to tell about the story, as long as the, you know, it, there's probably not a, a massive amount of competition in this very specific testing space. But if there is, you're your products continues to stand out because you actually have invested in, in more than just, uh, you know, making sure that you can't put your coffee on top of it, which is pretty smart, yeah. by the way, <laughs> even in and of itself. 
Yeah, yeah, for sure. For you know, instrumentation that can be more than a car, um, you need to protect it. But I think the appearance um, from a marketing standpoint, from a seminar or you know, traditional conferences, or now what we do are video demos. Um, it leaves a lasting impression. It, you know, it finally looks as good as the data it gives. And, uh, you know, that's what it deserved. That's what C-Therm is. We're a company that's not necessarily the, the least expensive, but the leaders in solving the problems, but always having that baseline of performance. Are your digital marketing efforts bringing in too many junk leads? Stop wasting time and distracting your sales team. Account-based marketing can help give your marketing strategy the laser focus on qualified buyers that you need to increase your pipeline velocity, close more deals, and grow your business faster. We've created a sample manufacturing ABM plan to help you get started. Download the sample manufacturing ABM plan at bit.ly slash sample ABM. That's B-I-T dot L-Y slash sample abm well, on that notion of being a leader beyond just how the product works uh, you know, and, and thinking about it more holistically i'm almost reminded of uh, an early uh, client of ours here at kula that uh, manufactured fish pumps and uh, mm. um i don't know that their fish pumps were demonstrably all that better than ever, anybody else's fish pump and uh, maybe they were but what certainly got talked about most is that they were painted the most gorgeous coats of british racing green yeah they really look good <laughs> and, <laughs> and it's like the only time you see british racing green is on like a nice triumph or something or on that darn fish pump yeah. and it, like it got talked well, about it was bigger than a car so it certainly stood out yeah too, you know? yeah but yeah. i i mean and you know we've had other clients who have invested in in the industrial design and the, and the software design because I, I think that that's important because no matter what the device looks like sitting on the counter, the thing that the scientists are going to be interfacing with the most is the software. And I think there's so many manufacturers now that are realizing that their products can be enhanced, um, controlled, you know, um, pushed further, updated more frequently, whatever all those things are via the software. And so often that's just, you know, that, that too can be treated like a bit of a gray box um, when in reality, you know, there's an experience to deliver there. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Yeah, for sure. Software and 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 the output of it, um, of the data itself, can be really important. And if you are even trying to train somebody to use it internally, um, it, you don't need this device to be. Um, I think about one of those uh, advanced calculators. Uh, that you only use for plus minus and multiplication, you know, um, it doesn't need to be overkill. It's it's about getting good data. And for us, we have a bit of an advantage because our pri proprietary method is really simple to use. Um, but yeah, we, we had to completely re reimagine the software too. And we brought Trident to market. That's very cool. You're you're bringing back really really horrible memories of grade eleven science math. For me. <laughs> my, my tangent cosine. <laughs> exactly. <Yeah. laughs> this is why I went to art school. Yeah, design school. Uh, my uh, mother bought me a scientific calculator. I believe I was in grade six, uh, which you didn't need one then. Um, but 
she thought that it would do me out. You know, <laughs> like if she bought it then, yeah. <laughs> then I would have it for when I needed it because my yeah. sisters were in, were older than me. So she knew that that, that was going to be coming. a requirement. And I uh, still have that calculator with me right now. Um, and literally the battery has only been changed once and it saw me through university and craziness. So, um, uh, so you have all these negative, this negative energy, Jeff, around yeah. uh, scientific calculators. <laughs> yeah, it's it's, like, it's war- just warm, it's warming fuzzy memories the cockles of my heart, you know? <laughs> so there you go. Whatever brand brand calculator that is, it's got a it must have good reputation or it's a sharp either that or yeah yeah it's there you go yeah there you go yeah so I don't <laughs> even know if they still make calculators maybe they do maybe they do, <laughs> maybe they do. Uh, yeah no I'm pretty sure they do <laughs> pretty sure I've I've got three students in high school so you should know Jeff they in high school I yeah I usually don't buy the school supplies. everybody has a calculator on their phone now so yeah yeah exactly <laughs> so they definitely make electronics still though. <laughs> that they do they do well and you know get, getting back to kind of the you know what we're talking about here i i think one of the things that's really interesting is that although you have um perhaps a specific target persona that you're working with in in many of the labs and industries it's not necessarily that they're all in the same um they're all doing the same thing you know they're not just all electric vehicle or or e-bike manufacturers or things like that like but you're able to kind of discern the requirements of those folks based on the people that you're currently working with and then look to potentially other industries to find um, new prospects tell us a bit about how you go about identifying the people that you can sell to and, and opening up those relationships I think that brings up a really good point. And the, f- the first challenge is deciding which of the many different industries and applications, as we would call them, that require the equipment or, or have a problem that sometimes require the equipment to be, to be solving it, um, deciding which of those you're going to focus on. And if you tried to focus on them all, then none of them would get enough attention. So at some point, you have to make some hard decisions and build content uh, around where you see, in our case, a pull from the market. So once there's enough brand recognition globally and you have an established presence online that will pull you up uh, generally if, if somebody searches for thermal conductivity, in our case, um, then we can really focus on, okay, of all those people coming to our site or giving us a quick call, which happens way more than you would uh, imagine, uh, people call us all the time, which are we going to focus on? Um, So electrification of vehicles is a great example because it encompasses, it's an industry, but it encompasses a lot of different applications. So you could go on and on about thermal gap fillers and potting materials and heat transfer fluids and every one of those applications has different specialists and different people that could potentially be users of our equipment and we have to have some internal knowledge about it Um, but that's just an ev and geological uh, there's a whole different set soils and gravels and in, in in building materials there's a whole different set you know of course heat transfer matters in building Um, So you have to know how to measure wood and cement board and insulation. So which to focus on is, is first, you know, it's like 
it's like working out your to-do list for the week. You have to prioritize and some stuff has to be pushed to the side if you're going to progress on any of it. Um, that's the first challenge. And um, we follow the trends in the market, but most importantly, the pull um, from our, our clients and a lot of our accessories and, and new applications. So our venture into high pressure thermal conductivity that was born from a need from a customer. Um, so it never used to exist until the oil and gas sector came to us and said, we need high pressure thermal conductivity, not just that um, ambient atmospheric pressure. So we designed a cell and a pressure cell, and then that pressure cell can become part of the portfolio. But we're not going to design some sort of device or um, special accessory on a whim. It's about market pull from somewhere we see a lot of R&D spending. I want to um, switch gears a bit back to, because you had mentioned um, the fact that uh, when we were speaking of the aesthetic of the product, and it helps when doing virtual demos. Uh, and it occurred to me that, uh, you know, you've probably are doing a lot more virtual demos than you used to do in this day and age. I guess, how have you seen um, sales in this category change with, uh, with the pandemic? And what are some of the kind of um, uh, trends that you think may endure as a result? Yeah, I think at first there was a slow adoption and, and to the idea of a video demo. So um, we used to be on the road 80% of the time, different countries, we're in about 60 countries. So we'd be hopping around, showing the equipment, testing their samples live. Um, but it was typically one person, maybe the local distributor with us. Now with video demos, we can have an application specialist who knows specifically about that industry or their material type, plus um, you know a technical salesperson, and pull on any other resources we need because it's dial-in. So that's the f- that's the first advantage. But all of that said, it didn't matter until the people that were making the decision and the people that had the problem became comfortable with it as a concept, and that came because of the pandemic. So a video demo was rare prior to the pandemic. Uh, We didn't have a dedicated space for it. Um, We developed it very quickly. And I'd say there was a couple of months. Everybody was figuring out Teams and Zoom and, you know, all everything was kind of in, in chaos. But at the end of it, you know, now we're talking about 16 months later, uh, the majority of our sales right now are through a video demo, Um, whether it's pre-recorded or one-on-one with an application specialist or um, one-on-one with a a technical salesperson that can show them what it feels like or or show them what it looks like, at least, Um, can see the software live. So it comes down to the customer or the end user being comfortable with buying in that way. Without the pandemic, I think that still was a couple of years off. It was um, accelerated because of the pandemic forced it. Now, after travel opens up and everybody is back on the road again, as we say, well, it's going to look very different. It was probably only going to be, it will be a a hybrid, I would say. 
there'll still always be the need for going into labs, better understanding the customer's needs, the environments, and what they're trying to accomplish. Uh, but it won't be all customers. Uh, a lot of times we're going to be able to do it much more efficiently for everybody, primarily the customer, because they don't need to uh, get you a uh, pass to get into their lab and have your passport screened and then meet you at the door. And then, and then you know, if they like you, they, they might take you to lunch. But what if they don't like you and that <laughs> kind of thing? So um, it's a much lower commitment to have a video, video demo. No kidding. I think, you know, I, one of the things that I, I don't want to miss out on that you said there is that it, it's a two-sided requirement for people to be able to adopt these new technologies. I mean, you know, the people that you're selling into have to want to be sold that way now. And your sales team also has to understand and want to be able to sell well virtually yeah. i mean it, and sometimes is, it can really feel like a chicken or egg question yeah like yeah. sometimes you're like eh, the market would be fine with it but these sales people can't get their head around yeah. it and then other times it feels the other way you know? yeah yeah, yeah. Oh, very interesting. i thought the uh, great comment too is there's lots of talk these days and have been for a number of years now around expanding buying committees and you know it's five people the seven people now nine or eleven people in the average buying committee. Uh, who knows right um, but, um, so it always looks at the buying side as becoming more of a team sport, but mm -hmm. selling's becoming more of a team sport too. Mm. And I, I thought Jay really, uh, hit an interesting, uh, note there around the, the fact that selling virtually the virtual demos and things of that sort of, it allows you to bring more talent to the table. Like you can have more expertise on the call. Mm. Yeah, that's, absolutely. That's a that's real the number one benefit to the, to the customer. I, I used to have our application specialist on speed dial when I was in a live demo. Um, and, you know, from the odd time that I get stuck, I, I give him or her a call and, and uh, just put her on speakerphone and, and ha ask for her help to walk me through it. That now you have that person, you know, live with your customer, showing them the system, potentially even working with their materials that they shipped you the week before. Um, you know, it can work really beautifully. That's a nice dance, you know, when, when it works. Yeah. 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 And, and I, I like, you know, it's one thing, okay, I have somebody on standby. I can phone a friend. It's like, yeah, but that's going to be clunky as hell. Right. Yeah. Like, you well, know, that means you've hit a roadblock and now you're phoning the friend. <laughs> Whereas exactly. The other way they're there on the call. Like it, yeah. It's a, yeah, it's a no, much it's more uh, managed process. Managed. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Very cool. Yeah. Lovely. Yeah. Yeah, it's been well received. It just took some time. <laughs> <laughs> On everybody's and, part. And a pandemic. Yeah, yeah. But, I mean, plenty of them out there. <laughs> roll, roll with the punches. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's, exactly. If that hasn't been the way of describing the last uh, year and a bit, I don't know what would. Yeah. Yeah. Well, listen, Jay, it's, it's been really wonderful having you on and uh, talking us through what you're doing at C-Therm and how, how that's all working. Um, what it takes to sell into science. Yeah. It's been a great chat. Yeah, appreciate it. Yeah, it's been my pleasure. Great chatting with you guys. All right, have a great day. Cheers. Thanks for listening to The Cooler Ring with Carmen Perry and Jeff White. Don't miss a single manufacturing marketing insight. Subscribe now at coolapartners.com slash thecoolerring. That's K-U-L-A partners.com slash thecoolerring.